I want to I speak to you for the next few weeks. Uh, we're to start today, kind of give you a general overview. I want to talk about doomsday preppers. You ever, you, ever, you ever met anybody that was a doomsday prepper? There used to be a TV show by the same name. And what they were doing, they're, they're uh, looking and providing and putting away for the catastrophic event, like uh, the zombie apocalypse. And so they're getting ready. I know uh, in our, one of our houses that Nancy and I had, we had one of those big, long, deep cabinets in the, in the kitchen. You ever have one of those? Well, you know, you had to, you know, had to get an extension to, to reach in the very back. So we just kind of put more and more and more and more food in that cabinet. I mean, we, got, we started calling it the Holocaust cabinet. <laughs> because we didn't know what was in there, but we knew if something happened, we were going to be taken care of for a long time. We might be eating, you know, beans or, or green beans or corn, but we knew that there was a lot of stuff in there. But there, is, uh, there are people that are preparing in, our, in this world for the catastrophic events. And, and I want to look over the next few weeks of what we can do to prepare for the coming of the Lord. I know that there are some things that happen instantly. I, I don't know if where you were October 17th at 504 in 1989. Anybody remember where they were? 1989, October 17th, 504 p.m. I know a lot of you may have been watching the uh, the San Francisco Giants and the Oakland A's in the World Series but that was when the big Loma Prieta earthquake that dropped the Bay Bridge and collapsed the MacArthur Maze in the, in the Bay Area. And I remember exactly what I was doing. And I remember cleaning, I was cleaning my car and I was over uh, on the passenger side and I was uh, trying to get something out of the carpet that one of my daughters had decided to deposit there. And, and I felt like somebody was pushing my car back and forth, you know, and I thought, now I'm going to see who that is. And so I looked under my arm, and I could see the pavement rolling. And welcome to California. So I remember that moment. And, and, I, and I think a lot of you probably have, have times in your life that you can pinpoint and say, this is what happened on that moment. But here's the amazing thing about it. I don't care how much you plan and prepare for an earthquake. You're not going to be able to predict when it happens. It just happens the beautiful thing about an earthquake, which I would prefer to go through an earthquake more than a hurricane. Because in an earthquake, you say, wait, what's happening? Then, oh, that was an earthquake. Wow, it's over. Let's go look at the damage. A hurricane for three weeks. A hurricane's coming, you know, and you're terrified. You, can't, you go to the grocery store, and there's no food, and you go over to Lowe's, and there's no lumber. I mean, and everybody is preparing. And, and then you have some people that are preparing for a party. There have some people that are preparing to just survive. And I'll be honest, my first year here, Hurricane Irma rolled through. It was, I think the, the prep time of getting there was worse than the actual hurricane. We were over, in, and I know a lot of people over on this side of town lost their, their uh, lights and electricity, and they were out for three or four days. 
And we were over in Ocoee, and we were really struggling because we lost all of our high-definition channels. <laughs> we had to watch standard TV. I mean, that was terrible. But there are some things that you can predict and some things you can't. You can prepare for an earthquake, but you can't predict when one's coming. Like a hurricane, you can see it coming your way, and you can prepare. Scripture tells us that when the Lord returns, that we're not going to be able to pinpoint the day. It's going to happen. The Bible says in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. That's pretty fast. And all the things that are going to occur, the trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And we will be transformed. This body that we have now, this mortal body, will be transformed into an immortal body. One that will never perish, never get old, never get tired. No more tears, no more sorrow. That's when real life begins. And all of those things are going to uh, transpire in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Boom. Just that fast. And at that moment, at that moment when the trumpet sounds, if you know Jesus Christ, whether you're in the grave or walking the earth, there's nothing that can hold you down from meeting him in the air. Nothing. And there's also nothing that you can do to say, I really wish I would have done that one thing before he came back. Because at that moment, at that time, life as we know it will be over for us. And it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a joyous time. It's going to be a victorious time. We will have conquered death because through Christ. But at that same moment, life as we know it will be over. I know that, that many of you have, have suffered the loss of loved ones and stuff, and usually it happens suddenly. It happened to me this week, Tuesday morning. I received a phone call that my brother passed away. And I am so thankful that, that we were in right relationship. I'm so thankful that he knows the Lord. I didn't say he knew the Lord. He knows the Lord. He has now seen the Lord face to face. He's always one up on me. It's what older brothers do. He was a, one of those guys that was a very hardy eater, hard worker. I remember when I was a kid, I was 14, he was about 19, and we pulled into a jack-in-the-box, and, and he went through the drive-thru, we and he said, I want two jumbo jacks, I want six tacos, I want a cheeseburger, an order of fries, a large Coke, and a milkshake. Then he looked over at me and said, what do you want? I'm going to miss him, but I know it's temporary. But I also know that I can't pick up the phone and call him anymore. And it makes me mad. It hurts. You, you understand what I'm saying? And even though I have hope, and I know that I'm going to see him again, because he had this passion in his life to live for Christ. He witnessed to everybody he knew. He witnessed to everybody he didn't know. 
He just loved Jesus because Jesus had done so much for him. So, and, and I just started thinking about, about life, about life in general. And you start wondering, and we're planning and preparing for the Lord's return. But can I ask you a question? Aside from yourself, you're, you're living for Christ, you know Christ, you have a passion in your heart for Christ. If the Lord came back right now, if you heard that trumpet and we're gone. We're with the Lord. And I know there's no more sorrow, but maybe in just a blink of an eye, is, would, there, would there be any regret in your life about not talking to someone that you know, that you love, that doesn't know Jesus? That's a sobering thought, isn't it? You see, this, this life that we live from the time that you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become an ambassador for Him. You are on mission for God. And, and our role, our responsibility that, that God has given us, it's go and make disciples. And, and I find it amazing that, that if I looked at my life and, and, and if I had to do a, an account of my life right now, I wouldn't regret the things that I've done, even though some of the things I've done I will never tell you about. Uh, and I hope there's some things in your life that you will not tell me about. Because God has forgiven those things. But if I had to look at my life, and I, and I had to go back and look at it, and I'd say, okay, what, what is it that I would regret? It's the things that I didn't do. See, I always wanted to, to, to take my brother with me on a trip for one he was big and nobody would mess with me but we always wanted to go on like you know go all the way down through the Grand Canyon and stuff and, and then you know and that kind of stuff just go on a road trip together and I know I regret not doing that something that I didn't do so now I'm gonna have to wait until I get to heaven which is going to be pretty amazing but you just kind of ask yourself, is there something in your life that, that you regret not doing? And that's what this, this Doomsday Preppers series is really about. Scripture tells us this. It tells us in 1 Peter, he says, the end of all things is near. And here's Peter. He's writing some 2,000 years ago, and he's saying, listen, the end of all things is near. The end of all things. He's talking about the Lord's return. And you say, well, well, he kind of missed it by a couple thousand years. He wasn't a very good uh, marker of time. But, you know, I, I look at it, and there's something a little bit different. I don't look at it just as, wow, he really believed the end of time is near, because he did. But there's something about living for Christ that it gives us a perspective on our motive on what our drive should be. Peter was fully persuaded that the Lord was returning. And let me ask you, if you knew the Lord was returning Tuesday, Tuesday morning at 11.15, and you know how prompt the Lord is, what would you do between now and Tuesday morning at 11.15? 
Isn't that, you know, that's a sobering thought, isn't it? What would you do? See, Peter was trying to help the church and when he was writing to, and, and we can look at it and kind of help ourselves that, that when we look at it and we say, the end of all things is near. Isn't that more of an attitude that we should adopt and adapt and, and live by, a motto that we live by every single day, that we plan like we have a lifetime, but we live like the Lord is coming back today, that every opportunity that we have to do good, we do it, and we do it out of the grace of God and out of the love for people. See, Peter had, had an understanding that a lot of people don't comprehend. He, he understood that living is about, is for Christ. It, it's, about, it's about keeping ever present in your mind this, this clarity of thought that the Lord, that the end of all things is near, that I need to keep my eyes on the author and finisher of my faith and not on the things of this world, that I, that I need to go ahead and raise my family and I need to love my family, I need to love my children, I need to embrace my grandchildren, but at the same time, every single day, I need to wake up and say, this could be the day that the Lord returns, and I am going to be about my Father's business. The end of all things is near. Here's what Paul, I don't want to go through that or that. I thought I got rid of those. Surprise. Um, Paul, writing to the church in Rome, and he said this, and do this, understanding the present time. Understanding the present time. He had the same comprehension that Peter did, that the Lord is coming back. And he said, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. I had a hard time waking up this morning. You ever do that? I alarm went off and I looked over and I thought, pillow, I love you. I just wanted to lay there for a while. But I knew I had to wake up. Here's Paul, and he's talking to the church in Rome, and he's saying, listen, you got to understand the present time. You have to understand the situation in which we live. you got to understand the circumstances that we are now in a time where the grace of God is flooding the earth. And, and we have this great opportunity because salvation is for all, and our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And he's talking about waking up, because the things of this world will make you drowsy. If I went back to, if I went back to uh, a jack-in-the-box or a Burger King, I can't eat the hamburgers anymore, because I feel like I've been shot with a tranquilizer. That ain't happened to anybody else. When you're young, you can eat as many as you want. Now, I just have to go take a nap. And it just makes me, you know, because there are certain things that I can eat that make me tired. There are certain things I do that make me tired. And, and what Paul is telling the church in Rome is, listen, if you have this understanding of the present time, if you really grasp with, and comprehend where you are in relationship to eternity, you'll wake up. You'll think differently. Your life won't be a dream, but it'll be a reality. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what it's like to, to be a, a prepper. Because the Lord's return is close. It's closer than, than it was for Peter some 2,000 years ago. And you know, it's closer today than it was yesterday. 
And guess what? It's going to be closer tomorrow than it is today if the Lord doesn't come back. And you say, well, what should I do? Should I be afraid? Should I be nervous? I'm not afraid and I'm not nervous. In fact, I'm anxiously waiting for it. And as a believer, we should be anxiously awaiting the return of Christ. But there are some things that we can do that were read in the scripture today and in 1 Peter 4, 3 through, or 7 through 11, that I, I, would, I would encourage you to take time to, to read through and go through this week because we're, over the next few weeks we're going to talk about them and how we can live our lives for the glory of God and in the same time preparing our life not only to meet Him but helping others to be ready to meet Him as well. Anxiously awaiting the Lord's return. And it all, all begins with this very understanding that the Lord's return is imminent. It's immediate. And you say, well, how do you know? It's not the amount of time we have. It's the presence of mind and how we live day to day. So I want to encourage you. Read that passage of Scripture. Read it. And over the next few weeks, we're going to we're going to flesh it out and see what it, it means to live a, not only a victorious life waiting for the Lord's return, but also to be a fulfilled life and blessing those around us. So I'm going to ask our, our praise team if they would come. I think Paul understood, understanding the present time. He understood the, the times that he lived in. See, because when we live for Christ, when we begin to live like a prepper that we're preparing for the Lord's return, it brings about some convictions in our life. And one of the convictions is that, that we will stand before the Lord. And I don't know about you, but, but that brings joy and terror to my heart. Because when I, when I think about standing before the Lord, and I know I'm going to stand before Him, and I know I'm going to stand before Him to receive a reward. When, when Paul was talking about all that shall stand before the Bema seat or the judgment seat of Christ, if you go over to, to Greece today, and you can go to the ruins in, in Corinth where Paul was standing, and, and you can still stand there, and they still have the plaque that, that, that is subscribed as the Bema Seat. And up here they had where the judges would stand and, and all of the athletes would come here and receive their crown for whatever position they had, whether it was first, second, third, or what, however they wanted to display or give the crowns. And Paul was looking at that in real life, in real time, and saying, wow, we're all going to stand before the, the judgment seat or the bema seat of Christ and we're going to receive a reward and we're going to give an account of our life to him. So when I, when I think about that and I think, wow, I'm going to get to stand before the Lord and he's going to say, wow, well done, good and faithful servant, and give me a crown of righteousness. And at the same time, when I give an account of my life, I want to ask myself now, not then, but now, am I doing everything to prepare for that day? I want to receive the reward. I, I just I want to 
hear him say, well done, you good and faithful servant. I want to hear those words. And, and at the same time, I get to stand before the one I truly love and truly adore. I also stand to how much power and authority he really has. And that's still kind of a little scary. We get to stand before the Lord. We are going to stand before him. So let me ask you, are, are you preparing? I'm going to ask today that I know Avika is getting ready to tomorrow, right? Tomorrow she starts a chaplaincy at the hospital. And we're going to pray for Avika because she wants to consecrate and dedicate this ministry to the Lord and for the Lord to use her. What she's saying is, I want to live in the immediacy of Christ's return and every opportunity I have to bless somebody, to encourage somebody, to lift them up, I want to do it. And she has asked if the church would pray with her and I, and I, and I want to do that. So if you all would stand with me, please. And But before Avika comes, I, I want to ask you as a church, as followers of Jesus, real life followers of Jesus, you know him, you serve him, you pray, you read his scripture. But if you're here today, and I know this is a different service than what we normally have, but if you're here today, and you say, Pastor, I want to dedicate my life to the Lord. I've been walking with Him for five years, 15 years, 50 years. It doesn't matter. But today, today, right now, I want, and I hear, and I understand the immediacy of His return, and I want my life to be used for His glory. I'm going to ask you to come.